0: Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and this is the Chosen People Radio Program. Today we're going to wind down our discussions about the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at the word for peace, which in Hebrew is shalom. And joining me is my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter, our friend Bobby, as you know him by now, if you've been listening to the radio program. Bobby's our regional director in the True Holy Land, Brooklyn, New York. Almost a million Jewish people in Brooklyn, so Bobby's got a lot of work ahead of him. And I'm so glad that he's here with us and that you're here with us. I pray God's blessings on our time together. So, shalom, Bobby, and welcome.
1: Yes, shalom, Mitch, and shalom, everyone else who's out there listening. We're very grateful that you're joining us today. Shalom, Mitch. I mean, this is uh, such a good word. Uh, honestly, it's probably one of the most well-known Hebrew words out there. I think maybe amen and hallelujah are, are uh, close <laughs> second and third, but uh, shalom is very important uh, because, like you said, it means peace. And really, like, in the big picture of God's overarching plan for Israel and the entire world, shalom is like our final destination. It's where he's bringing us.
0: Absolutely. Shalom is not just peace. It's wholeness, togetherness. That which was askew is now aligned. That which was at enmity in its various parts is now at peace, at rest. And, you know, there's a whole theological package that comes in to play when you think about Shalom in this way because God made a perfect world, right? Right, right. God placed Adam and Eve in a perfect garden, right, even nicer than uh, Central or Prospect Park in New York. And then the first man and the first woman sinned, and they disobeyed God. And as a result, the perfect world that God created became fractured. right. And from that moment on, I believe that God's destiny for redemption was to ultimately bring about the peace that he first created in that garden.
1: Right. I think shalom probably is the perfect word to capture what the Garden of Eden was like, what Adam and Eve enjoyed. Everything was in its right place. Everything was just as God created and intended it to be. Right.
0: And, you know, the hope that we have is that one day... God will restore that shalom, that peace. Right. And along the way, Bobby, what's so wonderful about this is we can know the Prince of Peace, Jesus, the Messiah. We, the peace of Christ can rule in our hearts, and we can have peace among the brethren. And uh, when you think about our world today, I mean, civil and social unrest is uh, as bad as it usually is, and some say it's getting worse. Right now, the recent talks in the Middle East, particularly with Iran, uh, seem to be uh, very, very tense. Uh, We've got Russia and the Ukraine uh, at odds with one another. We've got North Korea uh, boasting about how they're going to shake the world with their, their missiles. Yet, despite all the potential for division and being fractured, we still find ourselves in a world where it's possible to have peace, because peace Is not merely the absence of war and fighting. And you can have shalom under any circumstance if you have the Prince of Peace indwelling your heart. That's where safety is. That's where peace is.
1: Right. And, Mitch, one verse that comes to mind is in uh, a passage that I think you're kind of familiar with, uh, Isaiah 53, Mm. uh, particularly in verse 5. And the word there, in some translations, uh, the chastening for our well-being, it's the chastening for our peace. And the Hebrew that's there is shlomenu, which is the plural way to say our peace, our shalom. And that has not just personal
0: ramifications. It really is our destiny. You know, the destiny of the world is not to fall apart. The destiny of the world goes beyond judgment. The destiny of the world goes beyond the hopelessness that so many feel. You know, And the destiny of the world actually, again, is that return to the garden. It's that return to shalom. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, and then 11, 6, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. And then instruments of war will be transformed into instruments of farming, the swords into plowshares, and nations will live together in total harmony. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul talks about the curse being lifted, the curse that came about as a result of the fall in the Garden of Eden. And so this curse is going to be lifted. Every tear is going to be wiped from people's eyes. And if you're listening today and you've got a situation in your life where you just wish you could have peace, or if you are even having unrest in your own soul for one reason or another, I want you to know that there is hope. Peace is our destiny. It's in our future if we know and love the one who is the Prince of Peace, who died for our sins to give us peace and to make peace in our souls and to make peace in our relationships. And so don't lose hope. Trust the Lord. Lean on Him because peace is in your future. And I hope that you will ask the Lord to help you get there. Now, Bobby, there's a, another word that I think is really wonderful also. The Hebrew word chen, which is translated grace.
1: Mm.
0: Now, Bobby, I know that you love grace, don't you? I mean, I know you love Joanna. That's your wife. But you also love grace. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, grace is is something that we cherish. It's an attribute of God. And it's something that comes about Uh, When you know the Lord, you're able to treat others with grace. You've been treated with grace. So for our friends listening today who are wondering a little bit more about what grace means, can you maybe give us a little bit more of a description?
1: Sure, sure, yeah. Well, one thing I think uh, is kind of important for us to just recognize is the fact that we do find grace in the Old Testament. Sometimes we can fall into a trap of thinking that uh, grace is just only primarily and exclusively a New Testament theme. But there are many, many examples in the Old Testament of God showing grace, God showing favor, God giving a person something that they don't necessarily deserve because of their goodness in and of themselves.
0: That's the heart of it, isn't it?
1: It is the heart of it, yeah. Getting what you don't deserve. Right. Well,
0: here's a question, Bobby. Mm -hmm. What do we deserve?
1: Well... Uh, as in our unrepentant sinful state, we deserve the just wages of our actions, of our sinful actions, which scripture defines as death, as judgment, and the, the wrath of God.
0: Now, I, I know you have young children, mine are a bit older, but I always told my kids never ask me for what you do deserve, no matter what. <laughs> you, you want grace. So I love the little acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense, you know. So grace is getting exactly what you don't deserve. Mercy actually is not getting what you do deserve.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so God spares us from judgment but gives us his riches through Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And, and that's the way we need to treat people too, isn't it? I mean, we need to be gracious with one another.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. As we receive grace, I mean, we we find shalom in the end. We find peace in the end.
0: So my dear friend who's listening today, here's a little assignment. Why don't you give somebody the love, the mercy, the grace that they didn't earn or that they don't deserve? You know, that's just such a great testimony. Somebody treats you poorly, and then you treat them with tremendous respect and love. I mean, that turns heads when people behave like that, because everybody knows that's not normal, that's not natural. If people hurt us or offend us, we should be angry at them. But if you can turn around and give them a smile and give them understanding and give them grace, wow, what a powerful testimony. You know, some of you are sharing the gospel with some of your Jewish friends, and I'm going to appeal for you to have some grace with your Jewish friends, because Jewish people are what I call pre-offended. <laughs> you know, there's, there's this terrible history between Jews and Christians, and Jewish people are born and learn at our mother's knees to, to be upset with people who try and quote-unquote convert us or help us, at least in their understanding, to become Christians, which is to leave the Jewish faith. And it can get a lot of Jewish people angry. I've had a lot of my family be angry and and others, but how do you respond to people's anger Turn around to your Jewish friend and instead of defending Christianity or defending the church or defending the gospel, you know, just say, well, I understand, but I believe that these who persecuted the Jewish people, these folks, were not the kind of Christian that honors the Lord or the kind of Christian that can be admired. And so let me tell you about the true Jesus and what it really means to be a believer. Just by treating people with grace, you have a powerful testimony.
2: At Chosen People Ministries, our desire is to share the good news of Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, with Jewish people in ways that are challenging, creative, and compelling. We can only accomplish this mission with the partnership, prayers, and financial support of listeners, like you, who have the desire and a passion to reach out to Jewish people all over the country and enrich their lives with a message of hope and salvation. If that's you, please connect with us online You'll find us at chosenpeople.com radio. Or you can connect with us through the mail or over the phone. For those details and more, visit chosenpeople.com radio. Your partnership helps us continue the mission we started over 127 years ago. And for that, we say thank you. And we look forward to hearing from you soon.
1: Welcome back to The Chosen People. We've been talking about grace and peace. And right now, Mitch is actually going to lay out five reasons why we should be praying for peace and grace to flow in the lives of our friends and family, and also for Jerusalem.
0: As we near the end of days, it's important that we keep a watchful eye on Jerusalem as prophecy unfolds. However, we should even more so pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as Psalm 122 exhorts the reader. Let me give you five reasons why we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Number one, we should take scripture literally. We should take scripture literally unless we have a strong reason to believe that the writers are using some type of metaphor or grammatical device, causing us to seek a different word meaning than the one that's obviously used. Psalm 122 is all about a literal Jerusalem, the current capital of Israel and the future capital of Messiah's kingdom. This is the spiritual home of the Jewish people, where the temple stood and where sacrifices and worship took place, and it was, of course, built by the great King Solomon. We should take this psalm literally and enjoy the blessings of God's word as we obey what he actually said, and not the meanings we personally attach to it. Second reason, the prominence of Jerusalem in the Bible. The city of Jerusalem holds a very important place in Scripture. The word Jerusalem is used 806 times in the Bible, 660 times in the old and 146 times in the new. And additionally, there are some references to the city that occur as synonyms, like the word Ariel, which means lion. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Lord speaks to David through the prophet Nathan telling the king that he would build a dynasty of Jewish kings from his descendants, and that along with a palace for David, the Lord would also one day build a house for himself, a more permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant, and a place which would become the center of Israel's worship and national identity, all of which would be located in the city of Jerusalem. So ultimately, Jerusalem would become the capital of David's everlasting kingdom, When His greater Son, the Messiah Himself, rules on His rightful throne in a renewed and restored Jerusalem at His Second Coming, and when His Kingdom promises to Israel are fulfilled, a new Jerusalem will come down from heaven and will be the eternal home for all who believe and worship the Lord Yeshua. As the Apostle John wrote, And He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. When we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for the end of terror and missile attacks, the end of the hostility that exists between Israelis and Palestinians, between Hezbollah and Iran and Israel and the Jewish people, and Iraq. We're really praying for peace in the whole area, and we're praying for the return of the Messiah. Most importantly, we're asking for the Lord to bring personal peace to those who live in the Holy Land, no matter which part of it they live in, by accepting the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, as their Messiah and Lord. As Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Now there's a fourth reason why we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We should pray for the peace of Jerusalem because it gives us personal peace and fulfillment. In fact, the root of the Hebrew term used for prosper, they shall prosper, the promise, is Shalah, which can easily be translated as put to ease or quiet. The prosperity described in Psalm 122 is a quality of soul enabling those who love Jerusalem to enjoy a similar personal peace as enjoyed by God's chosen city. We can personally enjoy what Jerusalem will enjoy communally. Shalom and Shalah have a similar impact on us. Peace, ease of soul, quietness of heart. This may be linked to the promise of God, actually, in Genesis 12:3, Another promise where those who bless Israel will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Whenever we do right, whenever we pray for Jerusalem, we ourselves are blessed. Fifth reason involves bringing the Messiah to his own people. If we bless Israel, then we're participating in bringing God's promises to the Jewish people, which directly impacts the Gentiles as Israel was chosen to be a blessing to the Gentiles, to be a a bridge of redemption to a broken and sinful world. When we bless rather than curse the Jewish people, we are engaged with God's plan for world redemption. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem is in reality praying for Jesus to return, as the ultimate peace we long for will only come when he takes his rightful throne in Jerusalem and reigns forever. Therefore, sharing the gospel with Jewish people enables a Gentile believer to bring God's ultimate blessings to his chosen people and to a friend or relative who is Jewish. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem is a way of asking God to implant his peace in the heart of both Jews and Gentiles by personally accepting the Prince of Peace, Jesus the Messiah, as Lord of their lives. May they prosper who love you. The Psalmist tells us that love is and should be the motivation for our prayers for God's holy city. In other words, if we love Jerusalem, then we will pray for Jerusalem. If we love the God of Israel, we will pray for the people of Israel and knowing the reward is not the reason for prayer or for blessing the Jewish people. It's because of our love for Jerusalem and the Jewish people that we pray and that we bless. And the reason so many followers of Jesus the Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles, love the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem is because they love the God who created the nation of Israel and love the Messiah of Israel. You cannot possibly love Jesus and not love His chosen people. And this love leads to prayer and blessing, which ultimately brings blessing and peace to the believer and to the entire world.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, I've enjoyed this discussion so far today. We've learned about grace. We've learned about peace. And there's one thing that you mentioned a few times that really stood out to me, and that's identifying Jesus, Yeshua, as the Prince of Peace. And this is important for us in our work because, honestly, this has been like a historic name for a lot of Messianic congregations that our ministry has planted, honestly, from the start. Even when you go back to like the late 1890s, when uh, Rabbi Leopold Cohn was first doing his mission work among the Jewish communities in Brooklyn, he called his gatherings Beit Sar Shalom, the House of the Prince of Peace. And this is based on a passage, a prophetic passage in Isaiah 9, verse 6. And ultimately, when we come to the New Testament, we see Jesus presented to us in such a way because he is making it possible for us to have shalom, to have peace. He's taking the, the brokenness of us, of his beings that were created in his image, and he's repairing us. And that's part of his shalom ministry. So, Mitch, maybe you can talk a little bit more about where God is bringing us, this this plan, this trajectory that we're on toward shalom.
0: Well, certainly ever since the fall, Bobby, we have not been naturally inclined towards peace. Mm-hmm. That's not human nature. If anything, we're inclined towards division. Second law of thermodynamics, things are falling apart far more than they're coming together. Mm-hmm. Shalom is the opposite of that second law of thermodynamics. And so— Uh, We understand that God is reversing the ravages of the fall by bringing us peace, wholeness, completeness. So God has a plan. I think if I was going to think about this, that would be what I would focus on, that God has a plan. We have a destiny for peace. The Bible tells us from Genesis to Revelation that true and lasting peace is possible through the Messiah, Jesus. It won't happen until he fully, until he reigns as king. But when he's Lord of our lives, we can, in a sense, experience the peace in part, and one day we'll experience it fully. I love Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And, you know, it's interesting that that Hebrew phrase, perfect peace, is really shalom, shalom, Mm -hmm. perfect peace. And so there is a perfect peace for followers of Jesus the Messiah because, again, the Sarshalom, the Prince of Peace, is already ruling and reigning on the throne of our lives. And when we focus on him and allow him to rule our lives, then we can experience the perfect peace That he offers and the perfect peace that our world will enjoy when he returns and reigns as king. And all those wonderful promises you just read us will come to pass when the Prince of Peace reigns on his rightful throne with the capital in Jerusalem, and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters fill the sea. The day is coming again, as Paul wrote, the curse will be lifted. And the peace that we've experienced so beautifully when we embrace Jesus as our Messiah will actually fill the entire world. We will have that shalom, shalom, that perfect peace when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, reigns. And my brother and sister, as you're listening, I hope that your mind will turn to the Messiah. If you're having difficulties, having a struggle, even just trusting of the Lord, one day we're going to get exactly what we don't deserve. We're going to get the fullness of his grace when the Lord returns. We not only have peace, but we have grace. We don't deserve a better world because we are such sinners, but because we're forgiven and he's transforming us, we experience his grace, we ultimately get exactly what we don't deserve. I hope that you will turn to him so that he can fill you with absolutely
1: perfect peace. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. In addition to this weekly radio program, we're also on all the latest social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. It's our desire to reach people all over the world with spiritual, thought-provoking content in a familiar format. And we'd love for you to connect with us today.
0: And Bobby, let's tell the folks the good news, that when you connect with us on our website, we're going to send you a free 52-week devotional Bible study called The Portion. And it's based on the weekly portions that are read in synagogues all across the globe. These portions come primarily from the first five books of the Bible. We call it the Torah, along with associated passages from the prophets' writings in the New Testament. And by following this weekly cycle, you'll be able to read through the five books of Moses all in one year. So requested today, when you call 888-2-YESHUA. Again, 888-293-7482. Or request a copy online when you visit chosenpeople.com
1: offer. And now to wrap up today's message with the ironic Benediction, here's Mitch with singer and songwriter Misha Getz. <speaking in Hebrew>
2: Ya pono ve leha, vi huneka. Ye sadona pono ve leha, they same leha shangong, they
0: May the Lord bless you and keep you.